Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Full Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is up more than inflation. I am Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. He is Andrew Page from Strawman. Andrew Page Esquire, if I don't mind. Thank you. How are you, mate? I'm very good. I'm very good. Are you? Yeah, yeah. Can yeah. you be that good, though, if you don't know what strawman.com is? Is it, is it possible? <laughs> I, I guess you do well, know. Maybe you're better than me because you have the answers to questions I only can dream of knowing the answers to. Yep, the, uh, the answers to the big questions. We're, we're a private online investment club. And that's all I need to know. That's it well, for this you'd podcast. Think, no, you'd think so. <laughs> you'd think so. <laughs> you would. Tell you what, if old jokes get old quickly, this joke has absolutely got hairs all over it. And I don't even care. Sorry, listeners. Uh, it's Look, honestly, we, we pretend it's about you. It's about us. It's about me, let's be honest. So, uh, look, until I find a better joke, that one's going to have to do. Uh, mate, uh, another massive... I, I, I feel like a broken record. I say this every week. Another big week, right? Just kind of that story. I was... Um, yeah. I did, a, I did a podcast, blatant plug, uh, for Your Wealth, the NAB, NAB Your Wealth podcast or NAB Trade uh, with Gemma Dale, who is a gem to talk to. Um, no, no pun intended. Uh, and I kind of, she asked me about macro and stuff. And again, it's something we've talked about before, but I said, look, I'm normally of the school of thought of, you know, the old, if you spend 10 minutes a year thinking about macro, you've wasted five minutes. And I still, mm-hmm. I still retain that. Um, and I also said, get your thoughts on this. I also said that this is, this is a return to the old normal. This is not a new normal. Mm. We just had a really weird 20 years, maybe maybe 15 years, sort of 07 to 2022, where things just weren't the way they used to be. Mm. And I guess, I don't know, I don't know, how, I don't know how, how long a new normal has to be a new normal before it comes normal, and then maybe this is the new normal by definition. I don't know. That's a whole philosophical set of questions. But it's kind of, you know, as I said, I'm only, only repeating this because I literally did the podcast this week, and it just reminded me that, you know, in high, you know, fluctuating rates that go up and down, like both directions, and inflation that actually is not zero or, you know, less than 2%, that's normal, right? That is that is the story of the previous 50 years. The fact the last 15 were weird. I, I You know, on one level, we can go back to not caring about the macro. We said this, I think, last week or next week, in every pre-recorded episodes we've done. It, it, it almost is kind of like, it, it's almost, it should be returning to not caring. Mm. When in the past 15 years, we should have actually realized this was not normal. Yeah. Mate, I, I, it's so hard. I mean, the, the natural tendency with all these things is to extrapolate. And bizarrely yeah. enough, it's not it's not te- a terrible strategy. I remember hearing mm-hmm. once that the best way, if you want to outperform the weatherman in terms of accuracy, <laughs> just yeah. whatever today was, it's statistically <laughs> likely to. That's what it's going to be like tomorrow. <laughs> And it beats. That's great. It beats all of the analysis. Oh and, no, that's and the great. rest of it. So, so look, I, where I, I, I guess the the part of it that I find really challenging mm. is that you have sort of Ray Dalio, who who runs one of the biggest, I think, the biggest hedge fund in the world, makes this point of sort of debt cycles, economic cycles, and then these like so called um, hyperbolic you know, super cycles, and. It, is this just part of the normal ups and downs with more or less structurally things just in place? You know, um, small perturbations, sure, relatively. Yeah, yeah. Or do we, or are we getting to a point where it's a much bigger deal, where sometimes you do get a bit more of a, a quantum shift in things, and they're 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 not 
they're not common in modern history. And in fact, in modern history, we don't actually have a lot of data to play around with when you're That's true, trying yes. to look at timescales <laughs> that work on, yeah. the, on the period of yeah. decades. You yeah. can only go yeah. back two or three cycles and it was, it was an entirely different world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, but there are lots of, I mean, my favorite economists are the ones that, the, that take a real historical bent and, and go back a lot. Mm -hmm. and there's, there's a lot that, that can sort of teach us there. And again, Dalio talks a lot about this as well. These, mm -hmm. these sort of big, big super cycles where typically you get towards the end of it after a period of great prosperity, you get very, very cheap money, you get lots and lots and lots of debt. And unfortunately, you sort of work yourself into this corner, which like the only way out, well, there's several ways out, but they're all, none of them are great, put it that way. <laughs> so I'm mindful right. of that. Like, you know, what, what is yeah, this? Yeah, is this yeah, something yeah. more significant? Should I, is this one of those yeah. rarish points in history where I should pay far more attention to the macro mm, mm, or mm. should, or should I sign light it more? Or, and even if it is one of those bigger sweeping events, is right. that likely something that plays out over very long periods of time such that- mm. You, you can still be right on that view and, and waste your time trying to prepare too much for it. I don't know. I don't know. It's really yeah. hard stuff. It, it's fascinating, mate, because I, I was thinking, like you and I are a reasonable vintage, and I was always a kind of economics nerd from way back. I'm not sure. I know you were a kind of science grad originally, so I'm not sure how much high school economics you did. I can't remember the answer to that. Did you do economics at high school? Are you there? Yeah. Did you do economics uh, in high school? Sorry, mate. I just, that whole thing just dropped out for me. No, I, I did. I didn't do it for year eleven and twelve. I, the last oh, time go. I touched economics in a in an educational institution was year ten. <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed to admit. No, no, no. Don't be. I, I, was, I was more making the point that because I was an economics nerd as a kid, right? Like I, I love business. I, I always, I just, I was made for this career. And I, the, it, what's fascinating is if you look at the early, the beginning and the end of the eighties. There's stuff to teach us from both, right? Like, you know, the last time rates were too high, we had an oil shock, high inflation, they killed it dead with rates. And then we had 20 plus years of absolute knockout prosperity. Mm. You know, stock markets went through the roof. Uh, the economy boomed. Like, you know, these things were, even even including the, the 1991 recession. I mean, you mm. know, I mean, I guess you, you know, it wasn't unbroken prosperity, but the, the idea of, you know, from 80, whatever it was, 81, 82, through to effectively 07, with a stock market crash in 99 for tech stocks. So yes, mm -hmm. things get too exuberant. And this, I'll get back to that. And the, and, you know, the 87 crash in between. But economically, mm. you know, we, and we say this regularly, don't assume that the share prices in the economy track lung for lung. We had you know, a crash in 87, a recession in 91, a crash in 99, a GFC in 07. And yet that 27 years was, was a phenomenally prosperous time for the world economy and for people in it. Uh, so on one hand, you say... If you take the 90, early 80s story and say, this is, you know, this is spectacular, this is going to be great, you know, more of that, please. On the other hand, though, to your point about easy money and crashes, the lessons from the late 80s, the Alan Bond, Christopher Scase years of cheap money leading to just massive rampant speculation and excess prices paid, arguably, mm. you know, looking at looking at some of the... <laughs> Some of the uh, crypto exchanges, not crypto, some sort of crypto exchanges, looking at, um, you know, some of the tech valuations. Uh, I mean, it's 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 hard to know which one of those we're at. Uh, to your point, are we are we at the are we at the late eighties, you know, easy money crash? Are we at the early eighties, um, you know, killing inflation and then ready for an absolute ramp up of well, my goodness, once this is under control again, mm. we're off to the races. I, I mean, it could be either, neither, or both. But yeah, 
I think that's the hardest part with history is you're right. I think I think historical perspective is super useful. The old Mark Twain line of history doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're just going to be a little bit careful at the same time not to choose the one that suits us, right? Yes. So, oh, yeah, no, this is going to be exactly like the early 80s. Great. Yep. Or actually, no, the cheap money, this is going to be exactly like 89 and 90 when Bond mm-hmm. in this case imploded. Yep. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not saying you're wrong either, by the way. Just It's just it's 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 fascinating to study that stuff and to understand those cycles. But it's one of those things you also I think you only really know where we were after the fact and look back and go oh yep. oh, okay that's where we were you know that was what was going to happen next and it'll seem obvious after the fact and it will all go and when I say all you'll have a lot of people in the media say oh of course it was going to happen like, yeah. well, why didn't do, why didn't anyone do anything about it exactly obviously yeah. this was going to happen oh that it and can I say that's the most fr- as a stock picker yeah. we have members say obviously this is going to happen why didn't you do X yeah. it's like well I don't know you know well if it was so <laughs> no, obvious no you could have shorted it or done any number of things <laughs> you know, exactly of- I guess I guess I hear what you're saying and and where it's even more complicated is mm. that maybe the dominant factors are outside of sort of any kind of economic <laughs> policy setting. Yeah, so I'll yeah. give you three things right off the bat Go that on. that probably if, if None of them are allowed to be Bitcoin. No, I'm just, not going okay, there. Good. No, okay, no, good. Just, no, yeah. just, just want to make the point. But if you're an alien sort of looking <laughs> down on our civilization and looking yeah. at everything that sort of happened, it's sort of like how much attention are you paying to what central banks mm-hmm. are doing or how mm. much attention are you paying to technology advance, advancements? Yeah. Like over that era, we've had yeah. we've had the rise of the internet. You mm-hmm. know, we've had Time massive think, yeah. increase increased globalization, all mm. kinds of things. Software eating the world, yeah. and that's phenomenal, phenomenal too. And that's driven all yeah. kinds of disruption and growth and wealth creation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. On top of that, yeah. more towards the finance line, you have had this deregulation, where mm. sort of a lot of the um, ropes have been loosed a little bit around mm. financial bodies and organizations for better and also for a lot worse. <laughs> um, yep. So you've got all of that layered on top of it as well. And so, and, and some of those, and when I look at those three trends, I sort of see, well, on the globalization front, things sort of seem to be pulling back for a bunch of geopolitical yeah. reasons. On the deregulation front, I actually feel, if anything, it's probably more likely to go towards increased financial regulation mm-hmm. um but then you get to back to the technology that's always the the massive massive mm-hmm. one imagine this for example we just had um chat gpt released i've been talking about it a lot i just can't i can't stop playing with it which is a whole other topic which i won't get to at the moment but the <laughs> the, the quantum leap the paradigm shift that that potentially has or technology like that at, um in the near future have on productivity in the because imp- mm. there'll be one of these technologies that touches everything. Just to use as an example, mm. could could be could could usher in a period of absolutely fantastic growth and and um, allow us to crawl out of some of the troubles that we've we've gotten <laughs> ourselves into. Or yeah, it might yeah. just be that we're still another ten years away from any real needle shifting te- technological breakthrough, whether that's mm-hmm. fusion or synthetic biology or any number of other things that have. I guess broad application and and significant value creation potential. Yeah, I think that's exactly right, mate. I, and it's and that's why this is so hard because on one hand, I, you know, I, I'm not being contrarian for the sake of it, but just for the sake of the fun of the, of the conversation. You mentioned, you know, regulation. Are we on the cusp of increasing regulation? Probably, although in the UK, in the US, they're winding back post GFC banking regulation because oh it's seen gosh. as being yeah, too true. right, mm, but it's seen yeah. as being too, too constrictive. And and again, you're not you're not wrong in the point you make. Um, and I think we we part of our thing is like, but surely they surely there'd be more regulation given what we know now. Like surely mm. they're not that stupid, are they? It's like 
Turns out, I've, I've said before, I reckon the average economic memory is about seven to 10 years long. Yeah. It's, about, it's about as long as a cycle, right? Yeah. So the knuckleheads who are saying, oh, the GFC wasn't that bad. We can, we can, we can loosen some of these strings, can't we? Yeah. Um, this is literally, they will, they will look back in 15 year time and say, it all started in 2022 when regulators thought they knew better because bank lobbyists got them to change the rules. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but I, think, but I think you did right. I think the other thing I would throw on top of that, mate, is um, it, it's, it's kind of the globalization story, right? But it's just the wage arbitrage. Yeah. And how that kind of nets out when it comes yes. to what happens next. Again, we sort of say, well, you know, that, that's been great for the last X number of years, but surely that must end or maybe is. It's not ending. Uh, do we find other low-cost countries to do stuff? Do robotics take over, as you mentioned? Mm. Does technology become its own, you know, its own opportunity? I mean, those can be greatly, hugely deflationary potentially yeah. impacts. Yeah. I mean, the, the low inflation of the last 20 years is almost certainly, in my view, I don't know if you have a different view, just uh, a wage arbitrage in technology. I, I think oh, you know, it's that's a hundred, why... Te technology is the answer to that question, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 100%? Not wage arbitrage? Well, that relate, I'd, I'd say that relates. Uh, it relates oh, to okay. it. I, I mean, okay. it just take, think of, just take, again, first principles is always handy. Yep. Where you and I are in a village and I go yep. out and I catch fish every day with my hands mm -hmm. and then you invent a fishing rod. Right, and then my productivity goes up a lot. We, we as a society, our tiny little society, can now have a lot more <laughs> with the same amount of input. You know, that's a productivity increase. And then I turn around and invent, uh, invent a net, and then you invent a trawler. <laughs> you know, that's yeah, yeah. that is going to if whatever, however you're accounting for things in the broader sense of the term, that technological thrust, which is an increase, which leads to. I'm not talking about just purely academically curious things. Things that lead yeah, to an yeah. actual productive yeah. outcome yep. have to be deflationary because mm -hmm. because I can just do more for less. We're we're richer. There's more of stuff for the same or less input. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Although I I, I think my, my personal view, if you were going to ask me, I would say it's 75% wage, 25% technology. I, like mm. just I, I'm yeah. simple. I'm making yeah. stuff up, right? Yeah. But the the ability to I mean you know I think that, and this is a really simple example, but I think it's real. Think about the $45 billabong and Rip Curl t-shirts you and I bought when we were kids or our mums bought for us mm -hmm. with the $6 t-shirt you can buy from Kmart today. Yep. And is that technology? I guess at some level it's probably some... some well, it's know, enabled by the platform of, of the global trade network and all of that infrastructure, sure, sure. Which, which I guess sure. is sort of like a technological, you know, we've built, we've yeah. built that from, a, you know, a deep understanding of how things work. I guess that's true, but if you're paying Chinese workers a dollar a week, right? Uh, yeah. Australian workers twenty dollars an hour. It's a, it's a, you know, it's yeah, a we split, we're splitting hairs, probably. But yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, yeah. it's, it's, um, def it's well, it's definitely a factor, but that is definitely reversing. You know, we, we are we, yes. Apple's not producing its chips in right. in China anymore. There's a lot of other right, moves right. sort of happening there too. So, but yeah, I think that look, yeah. it's, all, it's all part of it. And this is mm -hmm. so again, like, just to bring it back here, when we sort of cast our eyes forward. It's easy in our game to think about and really get hyper-focused and, and look at things in a polarized fashion with, oh, what's the Fed doing? What's the interest rates? What's the level of debt in the economy? What's the level <laughs> yeah. of retail spending? You kind of, we're looking at the data and we're not looking mm -hmm. at the drivers. Yes, and that's true. That's and true. Uh, you know, just these factors that we're touching on, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. so again, where, where, where does technology go here? I, I feel as though if anything, things are just accelerating and that's just such a massive mm -hmm. X factor. But yeah, to your point, we've got the globalization or the reversal of that as well. It's so mad. It's, it's just so hard. But again, here comes the broken record part of the the discussion, which <laughs> is on. which is so. It, it, I can I can often sense people, you know, going, "Yeah, so bloody what? What do I actually do with mm -hmm. all of that?" You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. on one hand, it's this; on the other hand, it's that. Maybe it's this. It depends on that. You know, it's all it's all 
largely impractical, except that the 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 practical response is is easy because it's pretty much always the same, which is just, you know, don't predict, prepare <laughs> yes, is, that, is that, the way to yep, do it. Spot on, know? 100%. But I think that's also, I, and I would, I would actually go a bit further than that, mate. I would, it's exactly what you said, but I'll, uh, I want to make it a little bit more, um, uh, you know, kind of uh, practical rather than theoretical again, not that you weren't doing that. But when it comes to prepare, don't predict. The other thing is don't bet your investment portfolio on those predictions yep. although even those preparations right so you and i are talking about different things here and what i'm what i don't ever want to you know, do your own research as always but what i never want to do is oh andrew says that inflation is gonna be higher from here so therefore you should do this and you should mm-hmm. only invest in these companies or scott thinks that you know whatever else is going to happen that you know, do do this thing um because we no one can know and i think that's you know, you don't have to. This is the this is the great fallacy of investing. You don't have to say the world will definitely be like this, and I can only make money if I manage my portfolio such that I only invest in companies that are going to benefit from that particular trend, right? Yep. Because that is just a, a, a one way trip to the poorhouse. Mm-hmm. Either you get lucky lotto style and good luck to you, or you get unlucky lotto style, which is the rest of us, and and you lose a lot of money. Yeah, um, you, you don't. You shouldn't. I, I'm going to say outright. You shouldn't be betting any reasonable portion of your portfolio on a single particular outcome, particularly a binary outcome. Mm. You know, if inflation's over this, then I get that. But if it's not, then I'd lose money. Or, yep. or conversely, you know, I'm going to bet that rates won't go up and therefore, and we've, <laughs> let's not get into property investing, but, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the pain of the last 12 months for people is mm-hmm. I put a bet that rates would stay at zero and now they haven't and, oh my God, what do I do? Mm-hmm. That, that lack Perfect of- Perfect example. You're right. It's, and it's exactly preparation rather than prediction as you rightly pointed mm-hmm. out. I just want to make the point to people that don't prepare for a range of outcomes. Prepare for the uncertainty that will come. Diversify your portfolio accordingly. Don't prepare for, you know, yeah, prepare to not pr- don't predict doesn't mean, I'm not saying inflation is going to be 5%, but I'm going to prepare for the fact that it is 5%. So mm-hmm. no, no, prepare for the fact that somewhere between minus one and plus four. Yeah. You know, yeah. And because those are possible outcomes. And that also means if you own a business that would go broke at 4% inflation, well, that probably tells you it's too risky to own. Mm-hmm. If you have a business that can't, you know, that can't deal with 1% deflation, then you probably have a business that's too risky to own and, and et cetera, et cetera, right? So yep. whatever those things are, it doesn't need to be inflation, it could be rates, it could be technology, as you say, Ram. Um, yep. You know, don't only buy the AI, you know, uh, chatbot owner, yep. but by the same token, don't buy a business that, you know, will be killed if AI does end up being the answer. Yep. Uh, just, just get those things right. It's diversification, but it's also just being really, really loose with the range of outcomes you're prepared to, to allow for. I think it's hard though, isn't it too? Because we all... It's mm-hmm. like, um, I don't know if I can say the word on the podcast, but it's like a certain <laughs> ana- an- anatomical part that we all have, right? We've all got opinions on <laughs> on on the economy. Backsides, and the we say backsides. Backsides. And, and yeah. we can all be pretty confident of that. One of the yes. things that helps keep me in check, mm-hmm. you know, have, have some humility is I'm just so often reminded, and you see examples of it all the time, where mm-hmm. people who are far smarter and spend mm. m- far more time on this, I just continually wrong on it. And I don't say that to exactly. sort of poke fun. It's just, it's to, it's to recognize how hard it's, it yeah, is. It really is. So really the guy is. who's worked at Harvard for the last 30 years and is recognized as an expert in his field or her field or, you know, and you, they're, just, they're just continually missing the mark. It's just, it just probably says to me, you know, definitely keep your view and, and but just don't, don't, as you say, don't position yourself entirely that, that if it, it isn't proven correct, you're going to get in trouble. I'll give you a good yeah. example here might be, and only because we mentioned it on the pod recently, but and I was thinking this the other day, Brickworks is a good example, right? So mm. y- you would imagine this is a company, so you, you'll, 
your economic outlook could be reasonably negative. You could yeah. think that's probably going to have an impact on construction. Again, you might, look, I'm not saying this is my view. I'm just saying this mm-hmm. is a, a, an interpretation that someone could have. Yep. Um, and, and therefore, you could just like say, well, I'm completely avoiding this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe that's, maybe you're sort of broadly true there, but then you could also turn around and say, yeah, but the market's probably factoring into that to some degree anyway. Mm-hmm. You, you've got a discount of that on the market. Spot on. Secondly, if, if even if even under that scenario, there still will be demand. This is a business that's been around for a hundred years or whatever. It's sort of like the if if the worst case scenario is I get slightly below market returns over a period before longer term, just letting that compounding sort of take off. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, but obviously it's not as great as the stock that ten bags two years <laughs> after you you buy it. But do you know what I mean? Like for, mm-hmm. for being overly cautious, predicting certain things and avoid you, totally. know, you 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 can sometimes shoot yourself in the foot. There's there's there are I know instances where people who have sat on the sidelines for years waiting for this crash. Yes. That yes. never came or didn't come yes. in the way that they they expected. Or if if certain you know even if it did come i don't know if they would act in the way that they anticipate they would would either so sometimes it is it is um again just getting back to the practical element of things it is just better to go you know what <laughs> just go go for it and i'm just going to keep doing it i'm just going to roll with the punches as they come i think that's my can i can i just uh, i think we haven't actually touched any of the agenda so far but we'll get there um I, the the other thing i wanted to kind of touch on was Coming from coming from that very point is the idea of what the market's already assuming or allowing for. Yeah. Because you and I appear on Ausbiz regularly and other media outlets and talk to people and go on podcasts and that kind of stuff. And the question is kind of like, so tech stocks are smashed. Um, you know, what are you doing now? Are you selling your tech stocks? And then it's like, hey, tech stocks have been on a rally. Is it now time to buy? And, and kind of, you no, don't have to be contrarian yeah. in and of itself, mm. right? You don't have to say, I'm always going to do the opposite of what the market's doing or thinking, because that's just crazy, right? Yeah. Bet- betting, betting on technology not being a thing is stupid. So yeah. the fact yeah. that everyone knows tech is, is the future is not, not a, you know, that, that's, that's a given. It's, yeah, it's not but a great the idea insight. of, right, but the idea of kind of like, you know, what the market's already factored in, same as, you know, I've, I've mentioned retail stocks. I'll do it again, mate. I'll mention JB Hi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Um, single-ish digit PE might be a little bit higher now. I haven't checked in the last couple of days um the market is already pricing this thing as if there's going to be a recession or a meaningful economic downturn yeah so selling PE retail 10, now there you go right. six and a half percent yield yeah selling retail now in advance of a downturn that may come it's like the market's already done that mm. you are literally the patsy if you're selling at this point conversely and this is my view on jb high five said this before if you go out five years time say hang on let's say there's a recession let's say it's really mm. bad let's say it's the worst recession in you know, since the gfc uh, we didn't have one here, but you know, let's go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and let's say that profits fall by twenty percent for twelve months, mm-hmm. and let's say that then the year after that they recover to the current level and they keep growing from there. And you look back and say, okay, in five years' time, maybe JB Hi-Fi's profits are let's say twenty five percent higher, mm-hmm. and let's say the market's actually a bit more excited about the business because there's no recession on the horizon. So the P is now twelve. Mm-hmm. You've probably pretty close to doubled your money, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. despite the fact you had you bought today before a recession. Mm. And so it's, and I'm not saying that's going to happen. It's not a forecast, not a prediction, not a guarantee, any yep. of that stuff. But it's just a reminder of the way, as you said, you know, if things are already priced in, there's no point trying to then do something as a result. You, you, you can't, if you want to front run the market, sell when everything's high, if that's, if that's your view. But waiting for the news to be in, waiting for the prices to have already fall and saying, now I think I'm going to sell my tech stocks. Now yes. I'm going to get out of retail. Yes. It's, you know, it doesn't mean they can't fall further either, by the way. JB Hi-Fi could fall 25% share price-wise mm-hmm. before it goes back up. Who knows? But it might yep. not. 
we, we, this might be today might be the very low of JB Hi-Fi. If you can't know the, the energy, the, the intellect, the time wasted in trying to guess unknowable stuff is mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, and it's a question of degree too. So, so might be like maybe there's. A, two different futures out there where there's a recession on on both of them it's just that mm. one is far worse than the market is currently expecting so that's mm-hmm. that's the way you've got to think it's, it's that second order thinking like it's not it's not a great insight to sort of say oh, i think 2023 will be tough on retailers and the economy will be in a bit of a funk and it's like well yeah that's that's kind of the market's saying that to you already it, mm. will it will it be worse i suppose mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. question and then you yep. start then then it Oh, you know, then that's even even more tricky as well. So the way the way I like to the way I generally like to do it, and I we both talk about sort of valuations being important mm-hmm. in the sense of it is it is very valuable as an investor to have an independent assessment, hopefully a fairly objective one of value, 100%. so that you can you can appraise whether there is in fact good value um, mm-hmm. um, uh, or not on the market. I, I like to. I think people often think oh, I've got to come up with a valuation. My valuation for JB Hi-Fi is this to 12 decimal places and here's a massive yeah, spreadsheet yeah. to prove it. I think it's just useful <laughs> just to sort of yeah. say, well, I'm just going to run a few different scenarios. So let's assume, mm. let's assume that things get like really, really crappy and like far worse than anyone's expecting and JB Hi-Fi really just wears it for a couple of years and the market stays in a funk, et cetera, <laughs> et cetera. What does that look like? And it's probably a loss at this, at this kind of point. Yeah, but then yeah. sort of move up, start, start twiddling those dials and knobs and- and you're obviously going to get a range of, you know, this thing is great value to this thing is overpriced. But but what is interesting in that for me is the skew. You, you will often get, and I, again, just for my, use my favorite word, that asymmetry is what you're really <laughs> looking for. Yeah, because yeah. when you've got, you sometimes get scenarios where it's kind of like the current price is right in the middle of that spread. In which case mm. it's probably, I don't know, about fair. Or maybe I'll get it at about average return. Sometimes you'll find it where 80% of your scenarios are, are, are positive, a market beating. Mm. In that mm. case, it's mm. like, it's, Again, we often talk about it's not. This is a probabilistic game. It doesn't mean you're right or you're wrong, but but the odd, I'm now I'm now rolling with loaded dice, which mm-hmm. is a far more attractive scenario. Um, so hopefully that's another sort of practical way to sort of think about things. And and again, I, I probably scared a lot of people when I started talking about independent valuations. But just come up with some, you know, what's what's the per share earnings going to be in three years' time, and what let's have a thumb suck at the PE. You know, they're the two numbers that you need. And you can multiply them together to get a target share price, right? And just just do that, you know, and play around for a yeah. little bit. And it just, I, as I often say as well, it just, not that you want to take any single output too seriously, but it helps you think about things, frame frame up the things that are important uh, as well, i.e. what's the business going to do <laughs> and how's the market going to, to sort of interpret that? Yeah. It's, yeah, very, very important. I think that's, we've probably done that to death, but just, just keep that in mind. Um, the other thing is don't forget no valuation. I, I don't, I've never, ever, ever seen a discounted cash flow, no matter how far out it's gone where someone's expected a recession during that period. And there are some businesses that won't be impacted by a recession. There's yeah. just some that just aren't because they're not, yeah. right? But you know, we, we do discounted cash flow analysis. And again, let's not get into the algebra, but it, you know, most people do it five years. I kind of prefer 10 personally, because I think particularly for growing businesses, those next five years can be meaningful in terms of the impact on the, on the valuation. But mm-hmm. either mm-hmm. way, um, the, the, no one ever says, oh, in year seven, there'll be a recession and profits will no. fall by 40%. No. Or in year two, there'll be a downturn and, or, you know, what, and it's just, it's not to say it's wrong. It's just, I think your point about the inherent uncertainty of this stuff, I think, mm. I, I, I've got some. I've got some colleagues who use DCFs, and they do really, really detailed ones, and that's great for them. I, it's, it's. I'm not going to say they're wrong, but what I will say, it's not for me um, in that level of detail because the number of assumptions you have to put in. I've said, I've 
give this example many, many millions of times that you know the old psychology study that you give people two bits of data ask them to make a forecast and then give a level of confidence and you give them 25 pieces of data and ask them to make a forecast and give a level of confidence the forecast doesn't improve between two bits and 25 bits of data mm-hmm. but the confidence goes through the roof because yes. I think just because they've got more stuff they must mm-hmm. be more right and I think your point about just picking a, a level and I think this is that's almost my JB Hi-Fi point right it's pick a level mm-hmm. of earnings out five years mm-hmm. work out what a reasonable PE might be not that they're predictions of either and say well if that if something like that was to happen am i going to have a reasonable you know return from this point probably yeah and that's to my mind probably the point yep yep 100% 100% motley fool money for more subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener mate i'm gonna get back to our, our run sheet because you know we should do that at some point um Inflation. I, I am. I, I'm not going to make a prediction. I'm not going to jinx anything because that would just be stupid. Uh, both both those things. Make a prediction or jinx, jinxing something. Uh, three countries in the last two weeks: Australia, UK, and US, have all seen their month-on-month inflation rates fall. Australia down to six point nine percent. I think from memory, the Yanks down from seven point seven to seven point one. The Poms down from eleven point one, which still blows my mind every time mm-hmm. I see that number, mm-hmm. to ten point seven percent this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to call it a trend, but it's kind of nice to see, right? Like, it's there's at least a sense that whatever is going on is global enough, which is probably a positive in in, in that sense enough. Um, whether it's because there's coordinated interest rate increases, whether it's because global pricing, whether it's energy or something else, food are starting to come down. Uh, or we should say come down, by the way. The rate of increase is coming down, so it's still going up, but by by slower at a slower rate. Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic, mate. I, I'm not going to call this an end. For all we know, the next lot of data could be back up again. It could be all bets are back off. But I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, yeah. I look. I think it's there's two different questions here. There's a question of has it peaked, mm. and there is a question of it, is it going back to quote unquote normal. Um, so I tend look again with the usual caveats of this is all guesswork. But I tend to think that probably we have peaked. We had. There's been a confluence of factors here. There's never any one driver. So we've had we've had things like supply chain issues, big spikes in energy prices and in food prices, yeah. commodity prices. You know, that all feeds through into everything. Energy in particular touches everything. It's hard to think of something mm. that doesn't mm. that isn't impacted by that. So as some of those things roll over, it mm. feels inevitable that, you know, we 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 will see the situation improve. But as you say, mm. there's still a double digit rates in some very massive economies here. And I mm. and I I'm sort of said before, I think the days of two to three percent inflation are a long yeah. way away. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so on the broader trend of thing, we've had this sort of very long period of ultra, ultra mm-hmm. low inflation, mm-hmm. and then it's had this huge spike up, and I mm. think it probably does sort of fall back. But I, I tend to think, <laughs> I know I'm repeating myself here, but you know, four, five, six percent is probably yeah. where we get to over the coming years, and I also think. That secretly, and no one would say the quiet part out loud, but a lot, a lot of people in power are probably thinking this is the best bet that we can have because it's you're just it's enough inflation to make our debt worries less significant, mm-hmm. um, but not quite enough that people will be revolting in the streets. <laughs> That's yeah. it. You want to walk yeah. that line. Yeah. I, I, I'm on record saying I think the eventual rate will be lower than you think, but I also do think that's a couple of years away at least. And I also yeah. think, by the way 
that the central banks don't want it to go down. Uh, cynic, cynicism apart, the quiet bit out loud apart, they don't want to go down too quickly because it actually would just literally cause a deep recession. So yeah. it's kind of one of those, yeah. it's a glide path problem right now. It's the soft landing thing. You could make inflation 2% tomorrow, I guess, if you really badly wanted to, mm-hmm. but you'd destroy the economy in doing so. Yeah. So there is there is a glide path anyway, which is let's do a bit, let's do enough. You know, let's kind of, let's make sure we don't have it going up. Let's make sure people start to think differently, spend differently, let's bring it down, but not mm-hmm. so not so quickly as to as to put a massive hole in the economy. So yep. I think we're both, you know, we're on the same page in the short to medium term. I, I think we will get back under, I'd say under 4% um, in, in the fullness of time, maybe two and a half years away. I don't know what, just, I'm, I'm spitballing. Sure. And by the way, again, speaking of predictions, it's just literal guesswork. It's not a prediction. I don't care. I'm not doing anything differently because of it. Um, it's just my, just my, my best guess. Yeah. Hey, mate, um, before we talk, before, well, as we change topics, uh, I, 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 I shout out uh, to a future upcoming episode uh, if if people want to feel sorry for me, they should because before after you uh, before you've heard this, but after we're recording this, I have to sit down with you and spend an hour talking about Bitcoin. So I should I should absolutely only be, an hour uh, given all. Yeah, we, we, can, we can stretch it. We can stretch it. <laughs> um, we will. We will be doing that this afternoon. Our time. We're recording this on Thursday morning. So yesterday, when this goes live, um, we will be talking about Bitcoin. And I, I say that for two reasons. One is we promised the episode it is coming. It'll be, I think, the first by popular demand. Let it, let it be said. Following the the first one, Andrew, you're not that popular. Uh, <laughs> no, Bitco- Bitcoin uh, is though. Oh, oh, <laughs> uh-huh. oh. Uh-huh. Um, I'm certain. Yes. Anyway, uh, but anyway, the, my point was I. Uh, so he, here's a bit of a bit of sideline, but just you, I think you'll think it's funny. Other people think it's funny. I I posted a photo of me uh, or my my craft work. Uh, RM Williams make these cool little leatherwork kits. Did you see that one? I actually did see that. Yes. Yes. So I, I posted it on all yeah. the socials just for fun. It was just it was just I sat down with it. They they pre punch the holes. They pre cut the leather. You pretty much got to stitch it together. Like it's it's it's, it's only it's only just craft, right? It's mostly it feels like something they give Lego. to kids at school camp or something. Totally. You know? Yeah. Totally. Totally. And you pay a fortune for it because it's stamped with RM Williams. But it's, it's really really cool. I made a couple of things, uh, and it's just it's just a fun thing to do. And it kind of you know it's a different. I don't I don't have any particularly crafty hobbies, so it's just a nice thing to do. Anyway. Uh, so I was making this thing. It's an A5 size, and they call it a folio. It's basically a, a you know document pocket of, of sorts. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I had someone on Facebook who said uh, uh, some, something along the lines of Scott, you realise that's not what a Bitcoin wallet is, don't you? And I thought, I thought, I thought that was funny, you know, uh, make, making a leather Bitcoin wallet. Um, and I, I did I did wonder. I said, I, I, yes, it is. Apparently, that's not my new Bitcoin wallet. I just got to work out how to download the coins, and I should be fine. Oh, uh, so uh, anyway, just just sort of, it was a bit amusing. If you want to see that, um, feel free to jump on socials. It was just it was just more a, a call out for those who are following us on the socials. Um, I hope I hope it's just a, a bit of fun, but also uh, just a reminder that we are doing a Bitcoin episode coming up. So don't give up. We are going to do that one. It will be early in the new year, very early in the new year. It might be the first or second episode we we, we do in the new year. Uh, so stand by for that. If you uh, don't want to listen to it, then fair warning. If you are. <laughs> excited about it then get excited because uh well Andrew's don't, don't, get exci- gonna- don't get excited don't get i mean uh, getting getting excited is the exact wrong mindset to go into that, that kind of thing i think i would just say be curious all right there we go so that's coming up stan stay tuned for that one mate um quickly on phil Lowe, he said this week he wants to stay as rba governor i suppose you would because uh, you probably like being in charge and you probably like the pay packet that's always nice to have people talk about you so uh yep. none of us want to lose our jobs it's probably no big surprise jim chalmers has kind of hedged his bets said well we'll wait and see the rba review and see what happens next so i'm going to ask you outright if you're jim chalmers do you sack phil Lowe or do you reappoint him oh it's just this whole thing just i 
um, rubs me the wrong way, that the fact that we're even having a discussion as to whether there should be some kind of politically influenced appointment to a central right. authority that determines major policy settings. It's just sometimes I just feel as though we're, we're living in some kind of ancient Inca empire. You know, it's like these, these, you know, what like do you do? These what high do you do? I, mean, I, I don't, I, 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 I'm very, look, I'm of, Look, this is a very deep conversation, but I, I, I actually think it should be something that isn't touched by politics at all. It should have as how did, much- how often, in- Isn't that, isn't that by, like, I mean, unless you have an autocratic monarch who then makes these appointments, someone's got to say, tick, you get the job and I'm going to sign your pay packet. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you in terms right. of independence, but I, don't, I just don't know in, in the real world, yeah. not that you're not being the real, but I, I don't, like, I, I, I think I completely agree with you. Yeah. But I actually think I'm not sure what else or how else. Is I it an independent it. body of sorts, and how do you ensure that independence? Yeah, I guess it and always does. It always touches. Yeah, right, right. It always gets touched at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, well, here's the here's the thing, right? Because uh, it what's 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 hard. Well, one of the many things that's hard about economics <laughs> is that it's not a hard science. It's not physics mm-hmm. or chemistry that's or something art. like that. I, it, I am, you know, you know, it's called it used to be called political. Uh, what is it called? Um, Political science. Yeah. 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 It used to be called political science. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, you know, there is, there are certain scientific mm-hmm. approaches you could take and just being yeah. objective probably is one, but it's, it's, it's something where, um, mm-hmm. reasonable people can reasonably disagree on the cause and effect yeah. of, of things. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, we've been studying this for a long time now. <laughs> and there are some, <laughs> there's, a, closer, yeah. there's the Keynesians, exactly. there's the Austrians, uh-huh. and there's just fundamental uh-huh. differences. And so I think we all tend to, well, you know, the, the layman probably tends to think that there's no, no, there's, we've got really good understanding of how the mechanics of the economy work and we know just what to do. And it's like, actually, we don't. So where it becomes important yeah. is it's kind of like, is this decision being influenced at that level or is it being mm-hmm. or informed, I should say, by that level? So they're looking at it going, listen, I would really love to have a Marxist in here or I would really love to have a, <laughs> you know, an, What's an, easy to do, an right? Rand fan yeah. in here yeah. or, or, you know, or yeah. is it just like, no, I think this guy, like, we're all broadly on the same page, but I just think this particular person is is not as competent as, as someone else who I'd like to have in the chair. 100%. So, 100%. Yeah, it, it's, it's, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is, but I, as I yeah. say, I, I, I stumble on that very, the very first part of it, which is just, just the fact that, that we have these things. Which I think is perfect, but I'm going to not let you off the hook. Do you reappoint Philo or don't you? Um, what do you assuming, assuming Jim Trump is going to blow up the whole system, he's going, he's going to appoint somebody to the governorship of the Reserve Bank come middle of next year, and it's either going to be Philo or somebody else. If you had the, uh, the casting vote, what do you say? I would say, well, my usual, it depends. I, I would like to think if, if I was taking this very big responsibility seriously, that I would try and do a very deep dive review of some very high level caliber candidates mm-hmm. and try and pick it on that basis. I think if the, if the decisive factor here is he's made a massive misstep and we need someone to sort of publicly fall on their sword because people are angry about mortgage rates and that, I, I don't know. It, it may just be you could have put anyone in the chair and they probably would have made the same decision. And, you know, overall, Mr. Lowe's a pretty competent kind of person who, yeah, made a few mistakes, but, you know, a, a, anyone is always yeah. going to in that situation just to be very generous to them. And yet sometimes it, it's a, it is a case of better the devil you know. Do you want some untested person in the chair who, <laughs> yeah, exactly. who could be far, far worse? So. Yeah. A better question for me is if you say, would you prefer Philip Lowe or, you know, uh, Miss X or Mr. Y, then, mm-hmm. then that's a different question. But, but just getting rid of him for the sake of some um, 
blood uh, letting or what's what's the proper term for it or just some public display of of yeah. of, yeah. of um what what, what what I'm looking for? They're trying to they're trying to make a political statement here. Oh yeah, we get you. It really sucks at the moment, but look, we're going to get rid of this guy yes. and we're going to make it better. Yes. That just seems wrong. I, I I'm going to grab that last point, mate, because the whole you know when when anyone when anyone in public life says that we deserve something or that they feel our pain, it is it is a really cravenly political way to try to build empathy and want us to vote for them and like them. Mm. And it's not to say they don't necessarily even believe or feel that generously and honestly but the whole you know the, I honestly they make our problems worse at least psychologically if not literally with all that palaver right and I know both parties have done it in the past in, in government and in opposition mostly it's oppositions who say oh Australians are doing it so tough if we were in parliament we'd fix it but those guys they won't help you we'd help you we know how tough you're doing it we know how terrible it is and it's that idea of like it's something that's not necessarily true to some degree mm. but it kind of makes it worse the consistent negativity of the headlines um, there was a, you know, I mean, I don't want to go overly jingoistic or, or rose-coloured glasses, but the whole she'll be right, have a go stuff, which was kind of, you know, again, they're jingoistic and probably never 100% accurate historically. But the idea of kind of like, we'll just suck it up and get on with it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it'll be tough, but we'll get through it and we'll be okay. Seems to have gone away for the whole, oh my God, everything's going to be really, really terrible. And, and you know, what, what, should we, what should we do and how should we fix it? Who's going to fix it for me? Mm. Um, I'm not sure that's a good thing, not a good place to be politically or... or Societally, quite honestly, because it really does make it makes us pretty fragile, right? It, it, mm. The idea of think about consumer confidence. We know that's a self fulfilling prophecy. If you've got people out there saying, "Oh, it must be really tough. You're going to do it tough." Look at you know the whole energy price problem of mm. next year. Yes, maybe it galvanised politicians to make a change, but where where they're responding to things that may ha- not happen if they do happen. You know, it's based on a treasury forecast of what next year might look like. It's just I don't know. It's a it's a tough one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It absolutely is. It also remind makes me think too just how. Uh, influence the RBA and central banks are politically mm-hmm. because even yeah. with getting rid of any sort of conspiracy kind of theory, if you know that your neck's on the chopping block, if you make mm-hmm. a move that proves to be politically un- unpopular, so a lot of the with the distance of time, a lot of mm-hmm. the better economic decisions made throughout history were very unpopular at the time. Yes, that's and Very hard to get across, whether you want to call the GFC mm-hmm. or some of the stuff that the Hawke Keating government did. And we sort of look back on a lot of these things now and go, what a brilliant, yeah, yeah. what a masterstroke. Yeah. But there was, yeah. they were hotly debated and very sort GST, of- yep, Yeah, yep. Yep, you know, yep. And, and we can, and, and, and so when you have, when you have these kinds of bodies that are not, not very subtly, not intentionally, not in any orchestrated way, but just by the game theory nature of it, by me being aware that, that my decisions are going to have um, consequences for me based based on how they're perceived politically. I'm going to be playing that that political game, which means I'm I'm potentially less likely to make some hard decisions. And as with raising children, raising an economy sometimes needs a bit of tough love. You know, it's yeah, not that I'm a, I'm a brutal capitalist that you know we must let it burn if you're not contributing to society. <laughs> I'm not. I'm far from that. Yeah, but yeah. but there is I. I Almost all, I will say, um, mm, of the mm. great financial calamities, or even not calamities, just tough times, are the are the result of of excess and laissez-faire, and mm, and mm. had in all cases had people acted or central authorities acted more um, immediately and more significantly in ways that would have been incredibly unpopular, may have <laughs> actually right. saved everyone a hell of a lot of heartache and pain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and that's always that's always the issue, right? I think, and we, I think we know that uh, rates were kept too low for too long. I think that's obviously. I think they'll probably drop too far, and you know, even pre-inflation, um, creating the, the sort of circumstances that lead to this sort of stuff. And you know what? Speaking of economic history, mate, the other thing that frustrates me about I'm not going to go to. So, firstly, I think Lowe should be reappointed, um, unless there is someone obviously better for the job. To your point, and I don't know who would be better at Australian monetary policy than the bloke who's been running the Reserve I mean, Bank statistically, you have to yeah. assume there's someone better, right? Like, you, have well, we really yeah, lucked yeah. on the very best person and the entire yeah. 20 million yeah. odd people that whatever it but is? How you, but how you prove that someone else is better given Lowe's yeah, exactly. done yeah. that? You know, maybe yeah. one of his deputies is better, but again, on what basis? I don't know. Mm. Um, but that being said, mate, the other thing, I, I think it's just one of those monetary policy is, is always it's always difficult right because you can't know what's going to happen next and I, but but i will say the 90s recession was caused by alan greenspan having rates too low for too long mm-hmm. and then we come forward you know what maybe it was no recession might have been the a gfc either way whatever it was uh we come forward to 2022 we're in the same situation of monetary policy being too with money being too cheap for too long mm-hmm. and here we are again that's what yep. i was saying earlier about the whole you know memory being so short it's like we we <laughs> no, this is a surprise, right? Yeah. We literally had a trial run under Greenspan, yep. and now here we are. And think, oh god! You well, know. you made that Te- comment of of um, economic <laughs> memory. One one <laughs> thing that continually floors me when I think about it is that we're actually at a situation now. You mentioned that although we went through COVID, we didn't have a recession. I mean, there <laughs> are people older than us, mate. There are people around fifty. No. Who have? Oh, you have generally. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, yeah, generally. No, um, uh, people uh, who have n- who have not experienced a recession yeah. in their adult working lives. A proper one, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Do, yep. do you know what I mean? And I, I feel as though it's the 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 depression generation was very resilient to mm-hmm. any economic hardship because they were very they were sort of battle hardened and you know and, and prepared for that mm-hmm. and, and nothing was sort of wasted we we just haven't have ever had to do that despite we might sort of whinge about how things could be better etc cetera, etc cetera. so i just think that's uh, that probably adds helps bring bring on these kinds of cycles i guess because we are when when things do hit some kind of a tipping point not as many of us have prepared or, you know, are as robust or as anti-fragile as we might have otherwise been. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think uh, it's, it's going to be a wild 10 years ahead either way. It will. It will. Mate, let's talk about um, Star. Uh, and I want to throw uh, some allegedly's in here. I had someone who have a go at me on Twitter for saying allegedly too much and making it funny. Uh, apparently, you said the FBI wasn't listening. I'm sure that's true. I'm also very, very true. We've seen this, that uh, if you don't, act appropriately it doesn't take much for someone to be offended and take us to court so with all due respect i say it i say it a few times just for a laugh and i try and make it funny uh, but we it, it is important right legally i don't really it's not the fbi it's bloody defamation lawyers and i promise you if they can smell a defamation case they will happily take the money so i'm going to keep throwing some allegedly in here with can i ask a point of doing a, too much a point of clarification just on that Do it. Yeah. Is the technicality that as long as you use the word allegedly, even in a yes. mocking, derisive, jokey kind of way, are you? Is that it? Are you? Are you kind of bulletproof? Uh, How does it? I, uh, I mean, I'm I'm doing it. I'm doing it jokily, but I'm doing it seriously. So I say right. it over and over again just to make to make a fun of the fact that I'm saying allegedly. The difference is that if you make a statement, Andrew Page stole cookies, then you are saying that it's, it's, it's a matter of fact. Lawyer up, buddy. If I say Andrew Page allegedly stole cookies, I'm saying there was an allegation made by somebody right. that he has. 
but it's unproven because it's just an allegation at this point. That's yep. the distinction in law. Yep. I'm not a lawyer, by the way. I'm not even a Bush lawyer. Um, but, but yeah, so, so we need to, if something is alleged, if it's an allegation, if someone's been charged, if they've had a court case brought against them, if something's in the process of being proven, mm-hmm. then we need to say that it's allegedly to make the distinction between something that is absolutely a matter of fact, as opposed to reporting what's going on, which is, for example, 11 star directors and executives are being taken to court by ASIC for allegedly not fulfilling their duties as officers of the company. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's that's actually what's happening. So okay. I mean, if I only said it jokingly, and uh, you know, I mean, there's, there was nothing you know alleged about it or whatever. I guess they would say, well, you said it and you didn't actually mean it, so therefore, you know, listeners wouldn't have assumed that. I'm, mm-hmm. Again, I'm a lawyer, um, so I say it once and then I say it a couple of times just to make just to make fun of the fact we say allegedly. Just okay. it's just funny. Okay. Um, I can't that, use that, that, that doesn't that doesn't work in. Um, uh, personal insults does it can i say scott phillips is allegedly a buffhead and because i'm alleging uh, it or how does it <laughs> can- apparently defense a uh, truth is a defense under the under the defamation oh, law mate. so i think you'd be i think you'd be very very safe with that one on on a very different ground yeah if you say something's actually true okay uh, i can't take you to court for that i okay. uh, your honor your honor he could be a buffhead oh, what do you want phillips you're a buffhead get out of my court so you know that would be that would be probably the result of that one good to know um so look yes uh, we should so allegedly um there are 11 I, I really so I'm going to say out front mate I really like this I really like the fact that ASIC is taking some action where they believe and I, I, we assume they have a very good reason to believe that court cases warranted that directors duties weren't fulfilled they didn't fulfill their obligations as directors and executives so there are specific company offices that have regulatory roles and directors themselves obviously have regulatory responsibilities because in you know you and i've talked before about banks for example and you've sort of you know we, we've talked about you know do do banks deserve the um you know, do banks deserve to go broke? You know, who cares if banks become insolvent and go away? The government will bail out the depositors, blah, blah, blah. And I've made the point, well, the bank, you know, the, the people who were responsible probably left years ago and the shareholders end up, you know, carrying the can. Now, they should. Mm. It is the risk of... Welcome uh, you know, to investing. Of, um, right, of investing. But it still ends up being those people who are, are probably responsible for some of these things wander away months, weeks, years earlier and actually never pay the piper. The shareholders mm. who are left behind are like, well, hang on, I, I, you know, mm. I didn't know I didn't want you to do it. Yes, it's a risk, but it's hardly their fault in the same way that you know, it would be otherwise. Mm-hmm. What I like about this one, mate, is ASIC is saying, yes, yeah, Star's done the wrong thing. Yes, Star as an entity has been fined and shareholders have copped that. But ASIC's now saying, hey, you lot, I'm going to make this really personal. As directors, you can't say, okay, I'll sign the $100 million fine check. Okay, fine. Yes, I'm sorry. That really sucks. Yes, I'm sorry, shareholders. Now it's can not, I have my not, fees not and get personally impacting me beyond a bit of grief. I'm not right. coming out of my pocket. I'm not, there's Correct. no direct consequence. Now, this time around, $1.05 million is the maximum fine per breach for those directors if ASIC's case is proven. Yeah, they have so to pay ASIC- that themselves or will the, the business pay it on their behalf? Uh, that's what I'm not entirely sure. Or is there insur- there's probably indemnity so, insurance yeah. as well. I don't know what... The, uh, generally speaking, though, the indemnity insurance doesn't cover you if you've broken the law. Okay, okay. So, again, I don't want to go into what star may or may not be covered for because I just don't know the answer, but there yeah. are carve-outs generally. It's like, well, I'll cover you for... You know, if you've got to pay out for something in your in your course of your duties, that's one thing. If you've actually broken the law, it's like, no, we're not, we're not covering you for that. Like, yeah. that, you know, you've done yeah. the wrong thing. Okay. Can't, um, I can't insure myself rob a bank and then exactly. get a payout if, <laughs> exactly. I, if, I, if I get sent to jail, can I have a million dollars, please? <laughs> no, I'm not going to insure you for that. Um, now, the director's legal fees are probably covered by the company. It probably should be, at least until they're found mm-hmm. guilty, if they are found guilty, mm-hmm. because they are being pursued in their role as directors of that business. So that would make, it seems fair to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, so look, quickly, they have been, it has been alleged <laughs> that they have, uh, A, not reasonably 
um, take an action to understand best the risks that confronted the business, mm-hmm. and then B, they haven't then taken action to ameliorate or remove those risks from the business. Yep. And specifically, ASIC's case here is, for example, the star was dealing with a company that had reportedly been doing the wrong thing in terms of some uh, overseas junkets, for example. Mm. And so ASIC is saying, paraphrased and allegedly, that these directors could or should have known that dealing with this company was potentially a risk and that they should then have taken action because of that risk to do more to make sure the business wasn't exposed because of the relationship they had with someone who'd been reported to do the wrong thing. Yep. And I'm going to say two things. Firstly, I think it's great they're taking the action. Secondly, this is going to be bloody hard to prove because mm-hmm. this comes down to a court's opinion. And again, I'm no lawyer, but you have to, the court to have to say, well, in hindsight, obviously this was bad. And so they mm. made a mistake or they did the wrong thing. Mm. Um, and that's the difference, right? Did they make a mistake? Did they do the wrong thing? Yeah. Could they, should they have known? Yeah. Well, we can have a view, but in court, the, the burden of proof is much higher. Yep. And then did they do enough? Well, I don't know. It's, you know, it's very they, subjective they the CEO, is what you're saying. Well, yeah. if they ask the CEO, you know, they've got a risk and audit committee. CEO, are there any risks we should know about? No, you're okay. Okay, cool. Thank you. Mm. Um, you know, at what point do you do you rely on the on the uh, information and responses of your executive team versus actually doing that work for yourself? And so, again, we can we can have a view on what they could have should have done as directors, and we can do that as a commercial you know, from a commercial perspective or as investors. Mm. But the court burden is is much higher. So I am glad this is an issue. I'm glad it's an issue not because I have a dog in the fight at Star. But because I'm really glad that directors right across the ASX are now thinking, hang on, that could be me. I hope mm. in board meetings around the country in the next two months, oh, there you can are bet it more is. and more questions, right? Yeah. And that's great. That's exactly what you want. Yeah. Hey, I don't want to be that guy on a, on a million dollar, you know, fine risk. Yeah. I'm going to ask those questions. I'm going to make sure I know the answer. I'm going to have a really, really, really clear sense of what's going on and why and how and, and what you're doing about it. Mm. And I think that's really good for investors. Oh man, so so yeah, a lot of things to say. Um, it could be a, a case of a few bad eggs, and it's just really hard, or you know, almost practically impossible for them to have been across all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, benefit mm-hmm. of the doubt. We'll put that up there first. Um, one of the comments I'd, I wanted to make was that I think because we know ASIC is is has very limited resources, or certainly not mm-hmm. as much as it would like or need to go after everything that they they feel as though there's a good good amount of evidence for. So generally speaking, when they do do something like this. I think you can take mm. it as read that they at least think that they've got a reasonable chance because it actually looks very bad on them. Talk about political influences when they just like fail to prosecute again and again and again. They look like <laughs> yeah. a, a toothless yeah. tiger and, you know, it's just like, what are we spending all this money? And you're bringing all these frivolous <laughs> cases. So they <laughs> they tend to have a – internally, they tend to have a very high, you know, level of uh, – or need to have a high mm. level of confidence for them to to go ahead with it. So there's, yeah, there's that actually. thing. I also yeah. think that there is a lot to be said for the with the, you know, quotes quote – um. Spiderman's uh, uncle mm-hmm. with great power there's great responsibility and you know you don't you know it it does feel a bit geez oh that's a bit harsh but well you're the you're the director of a very large company you're responsible mm-hmm. for huge numbers of employees you have a big impact on society you get paid a, you yep. know trillions whatever you know huge amounts of money um, <laughs> you know you that's what you're paid for you need to mm-hmm. be across this kind of stuff so uh, and I also I also think um Making people more personally directly responsible is 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 the the best way to have a, a um, an impact. I, I'm reminded of mm. what you see with mining companies or manufacturing companies, where there's always you go to the AGM or you read their slide decks. There's always a big section dedicated to occupational health and safety, 
and yes, that kind of yeah. stuff because they are directly responsible. You know, you've, you, mm. you, there are very serious consequences if <laughs> yeah, you're trying to right. be negligent in terms of yep. worker safety. And so, so surpri not surprisingly, the directors spend a lot of time making sure that that's, mm -hmm. that's okay. So if you, again, um, uh, if, you, if you sort of say that we're going to put a spotlight on this kind of stuff and there are going to be direct consequences if you're found to have done the wrong thing, you can find that that's just going to lift everyone's game, as it should. As it should. I reckon that's an optimistic and positive note for us to finish this particular podcast on, mate. But I'm going to have to ask you my regular question. No, not what is straw man. I know the answer to that. I may forget by Sunday, but I, I, uh, I know for now. I will, though, ask you if you will come back on Sunday, maybe to keep uh, me on the straight now and re-inform me of what Strawman is, also to answer some questions from our members. Dude, what do you reckon? You said earlier in the podcast that this, the next one we're doing is the Bitcoin one. So, I mean, try and, try and stop me is all I'll say. <laughs> the only good news for me is we're recording the Marbo one before the Bitcoin one, so I get a slight break. Uh, then, unfortunately, we're going to have to record the Bitcoin one. Until then, oh, until Sunday, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691.